0: As we um, continue worship, just want to see if this is. As we continue worship during this year, brothers and sisters, I hope that um, you will find out that the compilers of the Reformed Lectionary had something in mind. That this year we are going into um, the Gospel according to Luke, but sometimes we jump away and then we go to the Gospel according to John. Just to fill our picture. So, on your bulletins, you will see that this is the third Sunday after Epiphany. First Sunday of Epiphany, or on Epiphany, um, I think Lip preached out of John chapter 1, the light coming into the world. Then we had Frank preaching about the baptism of Jesus. Last Sunday, we had that amazing story about uh, lots and lots of wine. And uh, today, we have Jesus preaching, his first public sermon that we know of, although Luke tells us that he has uh, preached a few times before. So let us listen to God's word for us this morning, Luke chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 14 through 21. The gospel according to Luke chapter, 14, uh, chapter 4, verses 14 through 21. Let us listen to God's word for us. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and the report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in the synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed upon him then he began to say to them today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing this is the word of the lord please pray with me holy god we thank you for the gift of the bible for its psalms and poems myths and stories histories teachings and prophecies May the Holy Spirit who called out these ancient writings continue to call us out today, that our lives may reflect the first sermon of Jesus, our crucified and risen Christ, who brings good news to the poor and lets the oppressed go free. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I know, brothers and sisters, sometimes we hear things, And it passes you by almost unnoticed. Then one day you hear a sermon about Jesus making many gallons of wine. And you begin to rethink the well-known story and maybe your own deep-held beliefs regarding wine. Maybe you begin to see that wine, in the church at least, is not... One of the devil's ways of misleading believers. Maybe you also find that every time you drink wine or you share wine with someone, that you actually offer them the best wine first and begin to see wine as a sign of God's abundance and of God's harvest and God's goodwill to all people. Something that affirms the new potential of people who believe in Jesus the Christ. But other times you hear something or experience something that is truly life-changing. I mean like the story today, the story of the first public sermon of Jesus in his hometown. And with his listeners on that Sabbath, we hear it as a wonderful message I mean, if you read it again, you find out that that they are life changing words. I mean, it's good news that the eternal God has become flesh, that the eternal God has become human, so that no human can ever be ignored or overlooked or rejected, that no one can be left in a place of oppression. Because, brothers and sisters in Christ, no one is excluded from God's good news. Today, Jesus said, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Not one day when you die, or one day when it will be different. But today, for you who hear this word, this scripture has been fulfilled Now saying something is life changing is really a radical claim. We all know about small changes and adjustments in our way of living. Sometimes we adjust our diets a little bit. Sometimes we do experience bigger adjustments like wearing masks during COVID. In previous times when you went into a store with a mask on they would call the cops. Now it They call the cops if you don't have it some places. Or the day you got married. Your life changed for a time until you got used to this other person sharing your bed with you. And then your children came and your life changed for a while. It will change back again. Trust me. We hope that we will get back to a sense of what we had before. And I wonder, brothers and sisters, how many of us have really experienced the meaning of something life-changing. I mean, when your life is altered as in the sense of being reborn with a radical new beginning or when it is transformed into something totally different from what you have today. And I sometimes wonder if we really want something different from what we have today. But when when that happens, that is really, really serious. Maybe we should just rethink what we mean when we say something is life-changing. You know, something that brings the opposite, something that is so different from what you had before that most of us think it is totally beyond What can happen to us? Or maybe hope that it will never happen to us. Now, Galilee, where Jesus performed that first miracle, the sign that God's reign is a reality, remember last Sunday? And Nazareth, where Jesus preached his first public sermon, was in that part of the country which was labeled and characterized as a crime-infested area a place where thieves and rebels and Gentiles, the non-Jews, lived. Those people, brothers and sisters, needed more than just a better life. They needed more than just to improve something in their lives, more than being encouraged to change their ways and their habits. Those people, they needed new lives, lives that were turned upside down inside out and so Jesus proclaimed this good news to them to people who had nothing people who had nothing but a deep need the need to hear that they are not rejected that God sees them that God relates to them that indeed the year of God's favor has become a reality for their sake and if we come to think of it, even we like this reading from Isaiah chapter sixty-one verses one, uh, chapter sixty-one verses one and two. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, because He has anointed me. He has sent me to bring good news to the oppressed, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And the day of the vengeance of our God. These are not just general promises. In Isaiah we have God's promises to people who were down and out. People who found it difficult to believe in God. People whose experience every day was that of being oppressed by the enemy. People being in the exile far away from their own. And so God's Promises to heal and to restore and to comfort and to free and to release become to them a sign of God's love and God's favor. A sign that God never forsake them and never will leave them. And now in the coming of Jesus, when he preached his first sermon, these life-changing promises became a reality. A reality in the life of Jesus who promises that it will be a life-changing event to everyone who has nothing left, not even hope. And just a heads up, next Sunday, we will continue in asking the question if this promise is really for us too or not. You see, we, we may like these promises even more or less When we read that Jesus stopped short of reading the last part of Isaiah 61, verse 2, that Jesus left out the part about the vengeance of God. As Messiah of God, Jesus was called through his ministry in the Spirit to be an agent of mercy to the world. Through the gospel, brothers and sisters, Luke emphasizes that the work of Jesus is not judgment that it's not to condemn people, but that it is good news to those who had nothing in this life left, the poor and the oppressed, those on the outside of the mainstream of Jewish and general life. So when Luke presents this Jesus to us, He says that it's not so much what God demands to restore a relationship between God and humans, but the question for us as church and for us as believers is rather, who needs attention and compassion? Brothers and sisters, among us here in the church, who needs our compassion after a time of experiencing only harshness? Who of the people that we encounter every day needs our compassion and our attention? You see, the church who wants to continue to be God's good news to the world is called not so much to speak good things, but to do things. We are not called to to doing good things only, to have successful programs, but we are called to love people. The church, someone wrote, is in the people-growing business. And if we forget one another, those sitting around us today, those that we meet during the week, then we forgot and we have left behind what the church really is about. The church is not called for programs and success in the world, but to love people and to be in a relationship with each other. To be in a relationship with my spouse, with my children, with my family. To be in a relationship with my extended family here at church. And to be nice to each other. You see, this is what Jesus did by doing more than preaching. This is what Jesus did by seeking out all kinds of people, sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes and Pharisees alike. And Jesus who announced that His ministry, His service, is because God's Spirit called Him to be new beginnings for those who have failed. Good news, brothers and sisters, to the poor and release for the captives, sight for the blind, kindness to those I've stepped on before, acceptance to those who are rejected by all the people, and the Holy Spirit who came upon Jesus when he was praying after his baptism, you remember that from Frank the Holy Spirit equipped Jesus not only to speak about God's reign but to be God's representative in the world to be God's agent of mercy in a world where there is little mercy in John's terms to be a sign of God's presence in the world the biggest sadness to me is that people ask where is God that the church is Fighting, so to speak, for a place in the world, because we forgot that this is what we are about. The Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters, which is our who is our inheritance, gave Jesus something to do for God. And so Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit, and he was called to bring and to be good news to the oppressed, to be good news to those whose hearts were broken by life by other people Jesus was sent by the Holy Spirit to be good news to captives and prisoners and these verses in the end are the agenda for the ministry of Jesus but it's also the agenda of the Holy Spirit for us The Holy Spirit, who gave us something to do and to be for this world, this part of Mount Pleasant, which God loves so much. It is important for us as church to know what the Holy Spirit gives us to do. It is important, brothers and sisters, to know that the gospel, the good news, is not an add on, it's not something to improve our lives. The Bible is not a step-by-step guide to, to being better Christians. But in this first sermon of Jesus in Nazareth, that is also not for people who want to make their lives bad better. But this is a sermon. This is a book for people who need to be set free to live the life God wants them to have people who never had the freedom to make it happen. And maybe this is the thing I thought. Maybe we have never been rejected by people or shunned or avoided or oppressed and poor. Because when you're despised, you just don't need a plan for improvement. You need a life change. You need something that you think is impossible. Maybe we should rethink these verses in Luke as the agenda for our congregational life and ministries. Beginning by our relationships with each other and our relationship to the world outside. But beginning here where God where Jesus said to his disciples, by this will all people know that you are my disciples. Not by having great programs or a successful and big church, but by showing love for each other. Maybe, brothers and sisters, we should intentionally begin to embark on the road of God's life-changing ways For the congregation, our community, and for this world. Because this is who and what Jesus is about. Who and what Jesus wants his followers to be about. Amen.